0: All right, let us read from Mark chapter four. On that day when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him?
1: Well, hello. Uh, I 'm David Michael Smingi, and I get to play the role of Aaron Bashore today. Uh, I have a Clicker, and I want to see if it's going to work. All right, good, sort of working. Go back no all right well we 'll stay here that's fine. So I want to take a quick second to pray for myself too. Um, Father, uh, just I'm grateful that we get to worship you and just um Listen to what you have to say today. And I pray for myself, somewhat selfishly, that you just still my heart and mind and uh, bring me and everybody else your peace that we long for. You know I me mean? pray? Amen. All right. So, so what? I'm just going to open with so what. And I want to tell a quick story in the form of a testimony and also answer the question of why we should pay attention to this passage. Um, so, sometime like 13, 14 years ago, Britt and I were walking home, we were still dating, and we walking home from work, and we found this whiteboard that was probably going to get trashed. And I'm pretty confident it was Britta who said to me, David Michael, we could use a really giant, big whiteboard for some reason, and we need to hold on to this for the next 14, 15 years, and I'll hold it and keep it in my house. Because um, we were dating, and it was a great idea. And I'm, I'm sure I said, yes, Britta, that's the most brilliant thing I've ever seen articulated. And uh, it was probably me. But either way, Britta held on to it and kept it in her room, our, or now in your house for a while. And then we got married. And then we put it up in our room when uh, we got married. And what do you do with a giant whiteboard? I don't know. So I cleaned it. And then verses started appearing on it. Um, and it was Britta who was starting to write verses on it. And you know, we each kind of took turns. So I'd write a verse, Britta would write a verse. And eventually, somebody forgot to write a verse. And I counted. Uh, uh, it was probably me who forgot to continue writing. But that was probably 10 years ago or something like that in Southfield. Uh, and this board has been in our room for our entire marriage, and when Aaron asked, "Hey, do you want to preach on something?" I'm like, "Yeah, it sounds great. What do we preach on?" Well, Mark, I'm like, "Okay, Mark." And it's like, "Well, what part of Mark?" Well, Mark 4, <laughs> verses 38 this is involved. This is verse. This has been a verse I've been waking up to every morning for the last 4,000 days or so, and I get to preach on. <laughs> so when he says, "You know, you want to preach on," I'm like, "Well, I feel like I should," you know. like. <laughs> At least I ought to. Um, and I think it's just God being faithful in small things. This is probably one of the last things I wrote up on there, and it was probably during a time in med school, because I've been asking myself that question a lot. Like, God, don't you care? Don't you care that we're perishing? I've been seeing people die around me. I'd gone to med school. We did cadavers. I saw how they all died. Went to my third year rotations, and I was in the hospital, people dying around me, and it just got to you, got to me. And I feel like even just reflecting in this last week, if, if you haven't asked yourself this question, or maybe you have, um, or you will at some point in your life ask yourself the question, God, don't you care that we're perishing? Like walking through my last week, I have to, like Britta had her scan and then we also had Mother's Day and her birthday, and I wonder to myself every holiday, like, is it going to be the last one with Britta? And I ask myself, God, don't you care that my wife is maybe perishing? You know, Or like on Tuesday, Wednesday, I had a patient in clinic who has a disease called Huntington's, and it's this awful disease where basically you lose control of your muscles, and you just kind of spaz out, and then you die. Like, and what makes it even worse is that she has her daughter with her, and I know it's hereditary. And I, I have to explain to her what's happening to your mom. It's going to probably happen to you, except it's going to be earlier. And if you have kids, which I know you do, they it's going to happen to them too. Ah. Like, God, don't you care that we're perishing? And then Thursday happens. I find out a good friend of mine's daughter died at 28. And then Friday happens. We have a point with British oncologist. And they're like, hey, best next steps is more chemo radiation and a new drug that you haven't used yet. God, don't you care that we're perishing? And then just, to just in God's poetry or just timing or rhythm or whatever it is on Saturday was the anniversary of my neighbor's husband's death. So they're Muslim background or they're Muslim believers. And... I got to have a relationship with this gentleman, he had pancreatic cancer, and he wasted away as I moved into Dearborn, and that was my welcome to Dearborn, Your neighbor's dying of cancer, and I got to be present when he died, um, and see everybody praising not Jesus, but not Jesus, anything but Jesus, and God, don't you care that we're perishing? So, those things came up last week. So, Hope that explains why this verse and passage is important to pay attention to but we're going to get to that question and the answer to that question um, in a little bit well, let's walk there so first part on that day when evening came and i think i'm at risk for blowing past this and just kind of ignoring it contextually and just say like, why this is even bothersome but on that day well what day and remember what happened like the last like week or two like we've got the privilege of walking through parables with aaron and then before that with kent um just a parable of the sower and is what the kingdom looks like and in a real way like god uses physical examples like aaron mentioned to bring about metaphors for his kingdom like seeds and sowing and he's done that um and we learn that and we use these physical realities to teach us spiritual principles so all these things are in mind and i imagine it's probably a pretty exhausting day for the extroverted or introverted person who may have a lot of people around jesus and I'd feel tired, I know it tires me out, and I would imagine, if I was a disciple, I would be very excited to get on a boat and ignore people. Uh, (laughs) It sounds like a great day, nice, calm sea, see a galley, you can see straight across, if you've ever been there, it's not too bad. Looks calm, looks classy, let's get on a boat, just enjoy the evening. The day's been done, hard work's over, shouldn't be a problem, of course it is. so Jesus is the one who says, you know, hey, let's get on the boat and go on to the other side. And we have the advantage of knowing what's about to happen to these people. And so does Jesus, for that matter. But sometimes when we get into storms in life, it's our fault that we're in the middle of a storm, isn't it? Like, we can, have, we can look back at our own life and our own sins and say, well, I'm the one that's trapped in this situation because it's something I did. Um, but here, Jesus is the one asking and saying, come get in the boat with me let's go to the other side and i think as we follow christ and you know certainly as these disciples had learned about these parables and have been taught all these things like in a real practical way they're about to be tested with their faith and god brings us through these storms and it's god that allows these storms to happen either directly or indirectly whatever you want to believe um but god calls us and, and brings us through these storms So after dismissing the crowd, they took him along with him in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And this is another part that I was tempted to blow over and just kind of ignore too, but it's not just the disciples who are alone in the boat with Christ, but also these other boats that are following along with him that will probably enjoy the storm too, um, or at least have to weather it as well. So a fierce gale of wind developed, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so much that the boat was already filling with water. Some quick observations here. So calamity comes really quickly sometimes. Like I think in my own life, and probably yours too, like you might have gotten a phone call at some point, you know, where your life suddenly changes. Um, Or you get some message or some word or something where it's like, gosh, you know, everything's different now. It was nice, glassy, calm, storm, easy sailing, and now it's terrible. And it looks like I'm going to die, or I'm in peril. Or something perilous is happening, um, and life can change that quickly. Um, and it certainly did in this moment for the disciples too. And I think we should expect that to happen. That sometimes our life will be changed suddenly. And yet, Jesus Himself is in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And uh, I have some quick thoughts here too, just walking through it, like. I wonder, like, why, why Jesus is asleep, you know? I, maybe he's tired legitimately, you know, God in flesh, short, sure, tired. Maybe he's exhausted, maybe, maybe. I don't, I don't know why Jesus is asleep. Um, but I have to think, if I'm a disciple, you know, what am I going to think about? And I thought, I'm like, well, what are some times when a God might be sleeping? And I thought about, like, that challenge between, like, Baal and Elisha, you know, where they got, like, two altars, and, you know, I just saying, hey, this altar's, you know, it's going to be for your God, and this one's for my God. And he kind of challenges them and says, you're going to, like, bring down fire or something. Whoever likes their altar is going to win. You know, and Elijah's taunt is, you "Well, know, maybe you should call out with a loud voice since he's a God. Undoubtedly, he's attending to business, or he's on his way, or on a journey. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll wake up. And I kind of have to wonder if I'm a disciple. You know, like, is my God asleep? Did I, am I following the wrong guy? You know, like, is this, is this not right? Like, does my God really sleep? Uh, obviously that's not true. Um, but I kind of be wondering that if I was them. And more importantly, he's on a cushion. Uh, and <laughs> he looks real cozy in this picture. Uh, I don't know, he looks pretty comfortable. That's probably what I look like when I'm trying to sleep, or at least maybe parent um, But he's on this cushion. And some commentaries talked about, gosh, all these details that are there in ancient history is just, when you have these kind of details, it brings kind of, uh, veracity or truthfulness to the story. Like, why would you include these things? Like, most ancient literature doesn't do that. So when you have these kind of small details, it kind of brings truth to it. But, um, you know, for me, I had to leave it there because it's, it's probably part of the, the thought. Like, we all know that in an emergency, your cushion can be used as a flotation device. <laughs> you know? And <laughs> maybe that's why Jesus is so comfortable. But I'm looking at that cushion. I'm thinking it's probably not going to float all that well. Uh, but... Whatever the case is, they have these details, and Jesus is asleep, and it doesn't look that great from a worldly perspective. So, the disciples, of course, do the most natural thing, and that is to establish a bureaucracy where they have 12 people elected, and they say, okay, well, you're going to be the one, after much deliberation, that goes up to Jesus, and you're going to ask Jesus, politely, of course, with absolutely no fear and calmness in your voice, you know, God, you know, hey, it's kind of stormy out. Could you uh, maybe take care of that, like... Be comfortable. I'm kind of nervous. I'm I'm not scared. It was those guys, those eleven over there. They nominated me to come tell you that I was scared. Um, but no, of course that's not what happened. Now you're up to them and they ask, and scream at them. Hey, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? And they say that, and I imagine you have two kind of conflicting perspectives. You have this kind of worldly physical reality that disciples have found themselves in, where they are perishing, they're dying, and then you have Christ who's there comfortable asleep, Lord of the universe. What is Christ, I can't pretend for a moment to think what Christ is thinking, but putting myself in Jesus' perspective and think about what he came to do, like, do you not care if we're perishing? So from Jesus' point of view, like, I I don't want to say it's almost, it's not insulting, but it's just, can you imagine Christ, like, coming down to the world? Why'd he come? Because we are perishing, aren't we? right? Like he came to save us from our sins. He knows he's going to die for these people and for us. Of course Christ cares that we're perishing, even more than in this moment, right? Like at what moment were they perishing? No, I'm perishing. All right, so so at what moment, were when exactly were they perishing? Were they perishing before the storm too? Were they perishing after the storm, during the storm? I think they were just as likely. Like, we were dead in our sins. And yet, we've always been kind of perishing. There's this song that listens to, and there's this line that kind of gets me, but it's as soon as we're born, we're starting to die. Like, the reality is, like, none of us would have made it out alive if it wasn't for Christ. You know? We are all perishing before these storms happened. And I think, you know, in a way... I just want to say it another way, just from a psalm, because I think it says it better. There were those who lived in darkness, in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains, because they had rebelled against the words of God and rejected the plan of the Most High. And that's us. It's our state. We are at baseline perishing, not in what weather we find ourselves and We've always spiritually been dead. Um, or spiritually unhealthy. So I thought, you know, how would I organize this? I know, like in life, like, we as people, we tend to prioritize our own health. And I, I feel like, it, certainly as a physician, I, I, I see this pretty much all the time, where people put this list in this kind of order. They prioritize their physical health, and if that physical health is threatened, then they start paying attention to things. But rarely do I have somebody ever coming to us for the sake of spiritual health. Um, and I don't know, I think I just want to try and, as I think about, we're organizing things. I want to prioritize what God is doing in my life. Like, I think we're tempted to prioritize our physical health, our mental health, emotional health. It's somewhere in there our financial health over the things that really eternally matter. where then God looks at us as spiritual creatures and says, your soul matters to me more. I, I would, I don't, God does care about our physical health, but I think even more so he cares about our character and what he's doing in our lives and how he's discipling and growing us. And sometimes he puts us through difficult things that we get to be groomed by. Um, and I felt a bit convicted, you know, as I'm looking at this board. I haven't written on it in 10 years. I'm the last one to do it. And you know, as I thought about it, like, I haven't, like, this, there's no reason why after 10 years this board shouldn't be filled with verses from each other. And, you know, we ought to have done that. And I'm sorry, you know, um, looking at Britta. But, you know, life just got busy and stuff happened. And, like, sometimes I think, gosh, you know, <laughs> If things are going well, I'm really tempted to not read my Bible or read, spend time in Scripture or do things that actually matter for my eternity. But like, when things are bad, then I say, oh man, things are terrible right now. I don't have time to read my Bible or do things spiritually or whatever. Like I'm, I'm suboptimal on both ways. I'm perishing on both sides of that equation. But God in his mercy still says, you can still be my disciple, still follow me. Um, yeah. So he gets up and he rebukes the wind and he said to the sea, hush or peace, be still. And the wind dies down instantly. And it becomes perfectly calm. In all the pictures i tried to find of old paintings, it's always Jesus like raising his hands and looking epic or something. Um, but I, I imagine it even more peaceful than that and less dramatic and in ways that you'd have to probably be there to understand it. Um, but I asked myself the question, you know, the, the hush, be still, and then what? Anybody, can you finish the sentence? Like, if I said, peace, be still, and... And what? And know that I'm God, right? I almost feel like, I don't know, Jesus does this, but like I, it just brings that to mind, right? That idea of like peace be still. And the disciples are there. They, hear, they don't hear the rest of it, but if you put the end there, it's almost like you hear the rest of it happen. And know that I'm God. Um, I was looking just... You could buy these things in your... Like, peace be still is when you put in your house. Like, you can actually buy these things, you know, but, like, it doesn't, it doesn't give the whole picture. And know that I'm God. It's the other half of it. Um, and that comes from what we read. You know, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then, like, God, just in the most beautiful way, and only way that God can do it, has also written years before the disciples would go through this. It's Psalm 107, and this is an excerpt from it. and It's just perfect. Like... I asked really, like, you know, could the disciples possibly have maybe known that they were walking into this, or certainly God knew, but I don't know, you just have to read it, it kind of, it stands for itself. So those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep, for he spoke and raised up a stormy wind, which lifted the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens, they went down to the depths, their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken person and were at their wit's end. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He caused the storm to be still, so the waves of the sea were hushed. And they were glad because they were quiet, so he guided them to the desired harbor, and they shall give thanks to the Lord for his mercy and for his wonders to the sons of mankind. And they shall also exalt him in the congregation of his people and praise him at the seat of the elders. Like, it's just beautiful, you know. Like, this psalm written way before this even happened, like, I just it gets me. So then he says to them, like, why are you still afraid? Do you have no faith? And I thought, like, is this a rebuke? You know, is this just something Jesus says? I mean, it feels kind of like sharp, you know, do you not have faith? Um, But I still think, even so, God still in his mercy allows us to keep following us. Sometimes when we feel faithless, um, when we don't recognize these things, when we do feel a physical impending danger, when all of our amygdala and all these things inside of us just take over our thoughts and we can't think, like God still in his mercy allows us to follow him and has saved us from these things. And become very much afraid of one another. Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? And we answered that question a bit earlier, didn't we? Like, peace be still. and know that I'm God. He's God. And I'm not God. Um, I think the takeaway that I have is that, like, I am at risk for thinking that the world is all around me, that my physical reality is way more important, that I know it's best for me. Um, but as I follow God, like, God's taking us places that I wouldn't necessarily have wanted to go. In um, dangerous places, and places that have been really uncomfortable, um, but I'm not God, and I step back and just have to relax and say that God, you're God. You are in control. You know, you're the one who your will is the one that's being done, and not mine. Um, and I hope that as we keep asking ourselves that question, um, who then is this that even the one in Sio that we can answer with? Well. The Lord of the Universe, who we get to serve, who has control of all these things, who knows all these things, um, and go from there. Um, So I finally went and I wrote another thing on the the board, um, like after 10 years. uh, And I think Britta, you're on for the next one. I think I still got like two more to do. Um, But I uh, I hope that you know, as you find yourself throughout your week or your month or your life, asking yourself the question, you know, does God care that you're perishing that you'd mind yourself that he does he cares that you're perishing he cares that your neighbor's perishing he cares that we're all perishing um he cared so much that he came sent his son to die for us our sins so we can be redeemed and have an eternal life because i feel like we're surrounded by death but i come to church because i need life um and i hope that in those moments you ask yourself and tell yourself be still and know that god is god and that his name will be exalted in all the earth all right I'm gonna pray um God, thank you so much uh, for all you've done for us and will do for us. Um, God, I, I do confess that we just are not sometimes the people that we should be. And sometimes we just don't see the big picture. And we only see the things that are immediately in front of us. We only see this physical reality. We only see just really small, shallow things. Um, but you see everything. And you're working great things in us and around us and for us. And you really do work all things to benefit Um, for those who follow us, or follow him, follow you. Um, God, help us understand that you are in control of all these things, that we were perishing before the storms of our lives, and you came already for us, and that we should spend time being still and knowing that you indeed are God, and we're not, but you still have come to redeem us, grow us, so that we can exalt your name, rightfully so, now and forever. Amen.